0: Welcome to another edition of the Awaken 2008 podcast. This is Daniel Decker. Thanks again for joining us. In this interview, Bill Dallas, president of CCN, Church Communication Network, is interviewing Phil Cook. Phil is considered an expert in faith, culture, and media. His blog, philcook.com, is one of the most sought-after blogs in that area. Phil just came out with a new book, too, called Branding Faith. And in this interview, he's going to talk about that book, and he's going to talk about how ministries interact and can utilize media to impact culture. Phil is also sharing statistics. It just blew me away. I mean, check this out. He says that the average American family watches TV, surfs the Internet, and engages media an average of seven hours a day. And then also, by the time an average teenager is 18 years old, they'll have seen over 100,000 beer commercials. Talk about influence. That is huge. So check out this interview. Hopefully you can take something away from it that you can apply back to your ministry today. And we look forward to seeing you at Awaken 2008, April 1st through the 3rd, in Pasadena, California. Again, jump on Awaken2008.com.
1: Well, joining me today is Phil Cook. Phil is a filmmaker and a media activist.
0: He is a working
1: producer in Hollywood, and he has a Ph.D. in theology. He has written numerous books, including creative christian media as well as successful christian television make your media ministeriality and his newest book branding faith phil thanks so much for being with me today thank you very much i'm excited to be here so tell us about your brand new book branding faith how you came to write it and what it's about branding faith why some churches and and non
2: impact culture and others don't really it came out of 30 years of working with churches and ministries and realizing they just don't get it when it comes to sharing their faith, particularly in a media-driven culture, and we've been able to shape some of the most significant ministries out there as far as media outreaches, and and we work with emerging church pastors, we work with Joel Osteen in Houston, so we cross the bridge, and um, so it's very interesting to help churches and ministries and, and Christian leaders kind of understand the power of the media and how to use it more effectively. So give us a
1: couple of the golden nuggets that come out of the book. Well, one thing, uh,
2: one of the the big issues is we need to understand how the media impacts our lives. It's very interesting that the average family in America today... Watches TV and surfs the web an average of seven hours a day. In fact, they say by the time an average teenager is eighteen they 've seen one hundred thousand beer commercials alone on television. Wow, in fact, the, the census bureau the u s Census Bureau just released a few months ago that this year, two thousand and eight, the average young person in America will spend five and a half months consuming media, watching TV, seeing movies on their iPod, listening to their iPod, talking on their cell phone, surfing online. So we need uh, that's a half of their life, literally half of their life-consuming media. So we need to realize that in the church today that the media impacts people in a way it's never impacted them before. In fact, the L.A. Times just did a big story on a Korean cell phone study uh, last year that indicated Korean teenagers are making an average of, of 94 cell phone calls a day. In fact, they're tracking high rates of depression with high rates of cell phone use. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's huge. It's very significant. It's not going away. We can't be like the, the Christian leaders of a generation ago who were constantly criticizing the media because it ain't going away. But we need to understand how to use it more effectively.
1: Because I guess in, I mean, obviously, like you just said, I mean, media is not going to waste, but there's got to be some good that it can be used for, correct?
2: Absolutely, and, I, and I, because it reaches so many people, the the impact is amazing, particularly in the digital media world, where through websites and podcasting and digital online video clips and things like that, You can do some amazing guerrilla marketing out there and reach an enormous amount of people. And my premise in the book is really about branding. You know, most people look at branding as a negative. They think branding in terms of capitalist consumption gone wild, sweatshops in Asia, you know, pollution, global warming, all that kind of stuff. But the fact is the definition of branding is simply the story that surrounds a product, an organization, or a person. In other words, what do people think of when they think of you? And I like to remind pastors and ministry leaders, what do people think of when they think of your church? Well, how does it stand out from the community? Really, in many ways, branding is about choice. When my grandmother went to a grocery store in the South back in the 20s, she found one kind of milk, one kind of eggs, one brand of cheese. But today, the average grocery store has 30,000 items. In fact, my wife told me the other day that there are 12 brands of Oreo cookies alone. So in that world of choice... How do you stand out? And that's what branding is all about. It's about surrounding your organization or your product with a compelling story. And Christians have been doing that for two thousand years.
1: I know you're going to be speaking at Awaken, and this is a conference that is being led by erwin McManus down at Mosaic in Pasadena, California, in your neck of the woods.
2: Absolutely. And I know
1: we're bringing a lot of uh, leaders, uh, both um, senior leaders, uh, church planters. A lot of lay people are going to be there, and what. Erwin's goal is, with everybody gathered there, is to listen to communicators like yourself and to, to stop, as he says, to have people stop thinking um, inside the box. In fact, to stop thinking outside of the box, let's erase the lines of the box altogether and start anew. So one of the questions I would ask you, is, as you're there talking to people or as you go around the country talking to Christian leaders, I mean, what are some ways that media can be used in a way that's Outside of the box, or in fact, let's forget about the box altogether and start anew. How how can media be used that way?
2: Yeah, Erwin and I totally agree. We've we've had a lot of conversations about that very same thing. And in my life, I don't. Although I deal with exclu- many exclusively Christian clients through our company, Cook Pictures, I don't I don't look at that line at all. I'm also a founding partner in a. TV commercial company that produced two Super Bowl spots for this year's Super Bowl. Um, I also uh, produced a one-hour feature documentary on uh, William Wilberforce that aired, it was called The Better Hour, it aired on PBS last week nationwide. And so, that is a great example of We went to PBS with an idea for a one-hour feature documentary on the man who abolished slavery throughout the British Empire. And guess what? He was driven by his Christian principles. Uh, Many people saw the feature movie um, Amazing Grace last year that Walden Media produced. Well, this was the feature documentary version of his life. And so by doing that, we're exposing the entire PBS audience to this incredible story of a man motivated by Christian principles to abolish something so significant that it literally changed the world. And so I think that We need to throw out that whole box idea. There's not a box. There's not a line. One of the things that we're learning from this generation is they don't view it that way. Uh, You either produce a great program or not. I saw an advertisement in a newspaper recently talking about the Christian Oscars, and they were trying to come up with movies that were the best movies of the Christian world this year. And I thought, what a stupid idea. It's like the gay Olympics. Who cares? You know, either you're the best athlete or you're not. Either it's the best movie or it's not. I think it's Christians. We need to start thinking more along the lines of how to make a compelling movie or television program or digital media project that impacts people's lives and stop thinking about is it a Christian project, is it a secular project. We just got to make a great project.
1: Well, let's talk about branding for a minute. I know that's, that's an importance know, what your new book's uh, based upon. Um, do you ever look and see some churches that just brand themselves so well and conversely some churches that just brand themselves so poorly?
2: Oh, yeah. You know, I, Rob Bell has said that he hates the idea of church marketing. Well, I think he hates the idea of bad church marketing. You know, when you do it well, in fact, I think Mosaic is a great example who've done, who's done a very compelling job in creating a brand around who they are. Because, again, in my book, Branding Faith, I talk about it's the, the story. I give you a great example of a, a compelling story. Look at Nike. Um, you line up 10 or 12 tennis shoes on a table here. You line up Nikes and Adidas and Converse and New Balance and Fila and whatever. You get them all lined up and you look at them and the fact is most of them, in fact, about all of them are made with the same materials. In fact, probably half of them are made from the same factory in China. So what makes them different? Nike tells a better story. In fact, last year in America, something like six teenagers were killed over Nikes. Nobody ever dies over Converse. Nobody ever dies over Adidas. But the power of Nike is so compelling, their story is so powerful that teenagers in America are willing to give their life for a pair of those things. In fact, the new Nike Airs that came out last week, uh, there were reports all over the country that at Nike towns, Nike stores around the country, kids waited in line five days to get their hands on a pair of those shoes. They're tennis shoes! But Nike has such a compelling brand story that people are willing to wait in line for five days. So I tell pastors or ministry leaders. Is your story so compelling that people are willing to go to incredible lengths to be a part of your vision? You know, what is the story that surrounds your church or your ministry outreach or your nonprofit? Because that's what draws people to it. As I said before, the church has done this for 2,000 2000 years. But the fact is we've discovered in the last 20 or 30 years that businesses are telling their story better than we are. So I'm just trying to get churches, pastors, ministry leaders, and everyday Christians to understand the power of telling an effective and compelling story.
1: Now, for some churches out there that are well-known or you know have significant following, so to speak, do they sometimes back into a brand, or are they that intentional to establish a strong brand and thus attract people to their church? Absolutely. Sometimes
2: there's accidental branding. Some churches just take off. Sometimes the message, the personality of the pastor, the message of the church, the niche in the community that fills, many of those things are very, you know, it's all about serendipity. It's about something that just an explosive moment that happens. But for that to continue, I think you need to think in terms of a compelling brand. Again, it's about choice. Today, there's a church on about every street corner. Even in L.A., there's millions of churches out here. So what makes somebody want to go to your church over somebody else's? or what makes somebody, you know, want to respond to your ministry over somebody else's. It's about choice, and because of choice, people need... Here's here's uh, an interesting example. We live in an age of information overload. Some people say we're information rich and time poor. So we're being, you know, statistics say we're being confronted with 3,000 advertising messages a day. The typical person in America is being bombarded. So in that world, we need simple ways to make choices. So... What is the story that surrounds your ministry is a simple, easy way for people to understand who you are, what your message is, and how you can change their life.
1: Now, we have a lot of church planners that are both listening to this podcast uh, right now as well as people that will be attending the Awaken conference in April. Um, a question, how early on, if you're a church planner, should brand be a consideration or should you first establish your church plan and then start considering your brand? That's a great question, and to me, branding is
2: from day one, uh, because a big part of branding is what makes you unique and different. In other words, what separates you from the pack? So even before I start the plant, I want to ask, why am I doing this? Why am I going to this particular location? Why am I in this particular area doing this particular thing in this particular way? What is it that makes that unique and different? In the digital media world we live in today, We don't need another Erwin McManus. We don't need another Joel Osteen. We don't need another T.D. Jakes. We don't need another Billy Graham, whatever, Dan Kimball, whatever. We need unique and different people to reach a unique and different culture. So I always encourage pastors, ministry leaders, church planners, what makes you different? What separates you from the pack? That's the key to making that church plant successful.
1: Well, we're really going to look forward to seeing you and hearing from you at Awaken uh, in just a few weeks now. Um, but before we let you go, we like to get to know our speakers, presenters on a little more personal level. So I've been asking some questions, and obviously you're a producer. I've got to ask the question, uh, what's the latest movie you saw? And then the question is, what's the latest good movie you saw? <laughs> I see some bad ones. I see some really bad ones. Actually, a great
2: movie I saw recently was The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, director Julian Schnobbles. A story about John Dominique Bobby, who was the uh, French editor of Elle, who had locked in syndrome. He had a stroke and, uh, in, the, in the prime of his life, was stuck uh, in a, uh, with a stroke and could not move anything but one of his eyelids. And he literally wrote a book about his experience, a memoir about his experience, translating it through an alphabet. By blinking his eye, blinking his eyelid to a gal who transcribed the whole book it 's a powerful, compelling, compelling story. A friend of mine, Paul Cantillon, composed the score, did the music for the movie, and I would encourage you re- your readers to 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 uh, or your listeners to go see the movie because trust me after you see this, all those excuses you had about why i don 't write my book, why i don 't start this church, why i don 't begin this project they, they don 't hold water anymore because this guy wrote a book by blinking his eye it's it 's an incredible story of not giving up so Diving Bell and the Butterflies is a really powerful story.
1: Now, how about a movie that you saw that you just wished you hadn't wasted the uh, 90 minutes or two hours sitting through?
2: Probably Sicko, uh, Michael Moore's documentary. I saw it the other night, finally. I finally got around. I've got a stack of DVDs next to my bed, and I, I finally got around to watching it. And Michael Moore is a compelling storyteller. He tells a great story. The documentary has actually got some incredibly valid points about the the. the the problems we're having with healthcare care in America. The problem with Michael is he goes to such extremes to try to get that point across that he's not afraid to fudge the information, and he's very selective in the data he uses and the illustrations that he shows. And it, uh, watching a Michael Moore movie will give you a great education in the power of documentaries because the way images are manipulated, the way statistics are used, you can tell pretty much any story you want. And so it's right. almost a film school experience to go watch one of
1: those films. Oh, then the final question, again, you're a, you're a producer, you're a, a movie maker. The question is this, if you could watch one last movie before you left this earth, what would the movie be? Probably Lawrence of Arabia.
2: When I was in college, I saw Lawrence of Arabia um, by David Lean, director David Lean, and it was such a powerful experience for me. I realized that if you can do something like that with a camera, that's what I'm supposed to do with my life, and um, times have changed, styles have changed, technology has changed, but the power of telling a compelling story never changes, and uh, I think I always go back to that one. I always go back to Lawrence of Arabia because it was like the first film that gave me that spark of, that showed me the power of what a moving image can really do.
1: Well, Phil, thanks so much for being with us today. We'll look forward to seeing you in April at Mosaic in Pasadena, California. And until then, we wish you the very best. And again, thanks for being with us today.
2: I'm excited. Thank you so much and look forward to seeing you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.